Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. gigantic week. I wish we had more than 45 minutes. It's really not fair to have to kind of just throw this into a tiny segment. But because we yeah. love you all so much, that's what we're <laughs> going to do. Absolutely. And, you know, we appreciate everybody listening to the podcast and downloading it. Uh, your support is always welcome, and we appreciate it. And, yeah, you're right. It's been so much happening, but we're getting to that silly time of the year where coordinators uh, are starting to get fired and we're racing for the, the, the playoffs. And I'm going to kind of let you run with this to begin uh, to lead this off because this is in your neck of the woods, you being the Georgia Bulldog portion, SEC portion of this program. Uh, I found it real, uh, the parallelism between Les Miles at LSU and Rick at Georgia. But what has happened has been a total 180, right? We thought Les was going and Les was staying. We thought Rick was going to stay and now he's going. So I'm going to let you touch on that because I know that you've been pretty vocal and you convinced me. That uh, it was that Rick has run his course at UGA, but I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, uh, elaborate on that a little bit, if you don't mind, sir. Really, if you're breaking down the week that's passed into one big thing, there's really only one story, and it's overshadowed everything, and that is firing in Athens. And I'll say firing, which I never thought I would see. Now, they had McGarity and Rick up on their both, and they kind of played it as a mutual parting of ways, but that is not what this was. This was McGarity firing Rick, and I will guarantee you this happened. This decision was reached after the Florida game. Rick deciding to start a third-string quarterback and sticking with him through the half was, I think it was the nail in the coffin, especially if reports are to be believed that McGarity wanted this last year and the president overruled him. It's always sad to see an icon like Rick go, but as I've said multiple times, the message had just gotten stale. Um, Really, I think it boils down to 2012 was Rick's moment. You In college football, you you have moments, and you can miss them. And in the three years since that, the dogs have just been treading water. There have been those games where you just 
you drop that mysterious game to Vandy or Kentucky or you can't beat Florida or you can't beat Mizzou. And ever since that, it's just been treading water and you're slowly running out of breath and you're slowly sinking down. I know it's it's really bad losing somebody like Rick, and as much as I was ready for him to leave, it's still a sad day in Dog Nation. I mean, Rick was a fine man. He'd been the coach for 15 years. It's a whole new era. Uh, but it's one you can't be scared about. It's one of these things you got to look forward to. Yeah, it could end up like Tennessee when they hired when they fired Phil Fulmer, or it could be like Ohio State when they brought in Urban Meyer. I mean, there's there's just no telling. At this point, if you're not competing, then what's the harm in it? I mean, I'm not one of these fans that's okay with being good and not getting anywhere. To me, it, I'd rather be on one edge of the spectrum than be mediocre. No, and I and, and I hear you, but the only thing about that is with Urban Meyer analogy is that we had a terrible year in the middle <laughs> with Luke Fickle going uh, five and seven. I know no six and six. So, but I hear your point, and Georgia has so much talent, and we've talked about this, you know, at nauseum, especially this year, with you know losing Dobbs him go to Tennessee, and he's not necessarily set the world on fire, but I see him trending up. And then let Deshaun Watson go to Clemson, you know, from Gainesville and not recruiting him at all. And like you said, trying to recruit Cam Newton as a tight end. I think it's his inability to adapt to the times to say, what kind of talent is my state producing? And I should cater my offense in the way we're going to do things to the talent that is in our backyard that we can win with as opposed to being so rigid that I'm only going to go after this one guy. And you're right. That whole Joy Baton thing with at the Florida game, that was just ridiculous. But – I will give the Georgia administration a lot and a lot of credit that they kept a lid on this because all we heard was about Les Miles. You know, he's just out there floating in the breeze, uh, and we're waiting on any day now for him to be fired. And we thought the storm had really just kind of blown over Mark Rick. And then it just came to, uh, Monday morning like, wow. I said, wow. I mean, I have to give them credit for keeping a lid on it. If, and if they made that decision after the Florida game, you have to give them a little credit for that in the days where everything leaks you know, the Bleacher Report or Fox Sports or ESPN. They did a good job of keeping it in-house. But uh, segueing to the next piece about them, I wonder if, and I'm pretty sure they did, we're already talking back channels to Kirby Smart, and I think Kirby just has, you know, had his run. I think the time is now for him to try to become a head coach. I think this feels a little rushed, though, by Georgia, and I know you have some guys in mind being a UGA fan, but it doesn't seem like they've given themselves enough time to see, you know, any of you other uh candidates and see if there's another more qualified guy to come in because this to me, and I'm sorry, but it screams Will Muschamp at Florida to me. They bring in another defensive coordinator to come in, never had head coaching experience, and the offense has been bad, and that's what you need to get jump started the most, and you're not bringing anybody in that can really do that unless he just has an offensive coordinator in mind that he can bring in. I'm not quite sure about it, so I'll let you expound upon that because I haven't really heard anybody else that they were even really genuinely after except for Kirby Smart. Well, there's a few names going around, and like you said, uh, it, it did feel a little rushed. Uh, personally, it felt like they were worried about this recruiting class breaking down and getting away, so they named somebody quick. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. I feel like they'd been talking to Smart since that Florida game. I think if people mm-hmm. were to delve into it, they'd find out something like that. But there there were names out there to talk to. I would have at least talked to Les Miles with him, with LSU doing him like that. There's no telling if he would have you know, just said, fine, if you want to act, I'll leave before I get fired. Uh, Mark D'Antonio from MSU, you didn't even give him a look, and that would be right. almost a seamless transition. D'Antonio is also a saving disciple, also runs a good mm-hmm. defense, and has put is going to put when Connor Cook goes this year, be three straight quarterbacks in the NFL. Two of them are starting right now, 
and it's it's just one of these things where um, with Georgia, it's almost like they were worried about not having a head coach, so they wanted to get it out of the way quick. And Kirby Smart, you can connect the dots, and it it could very well be a good hire for me personally. Uh, he was not top five on my list. Um, I would have gone James Franklin over Kirby Smart, to tell you the truth. I am very, very leery of hiring somebody who's been a career coordinator straight to the head coach at a big university. You brought up Muschamp, and that, to me, says it all. That is that is the fear, and it is, is the thing that I'm going to be fearful about for at least the next two or three years till we see how he really goes. But it's interesting you brought up Muschamp because that's who everybody's pegging as his defensive coordinator right now. He's got, he's got a $1.8 million buyout from Auburn, plus whatever you'd have to pay him, which would probably either have to be the same or maybe $2 million. Uh, as far as offense goes, uh, there's a lot of buzz about him bringing in Billy Napier, who is um, he was the receivers coach for Alabama. Um, there's talk about him coming over. Uh, there's, some, there's some smoke around the Ole Miss offensive coordinator, uh, Dan Werner, uh, that would be a very good fit. Dan Warner is one of these who's very well-versed in both systems. Uh, he ran the traditional offense. Um, he was under, I want to say it was under Saban, either under Saban or under Dan Mullen. Um, and then he's had, once he's gone and worked with Hugh Freeze, he's now run this spread offense. So he's very well-versed in both. His offense has put up a lot of points. So that, that's a name to watch. He's also a little older, with a little more experience, which somebody as young and new to the business as Kirby might like having that experience. Uh, another dark horse name to watch is um, Tyler Helton from Western Kentucky. He's been getting a lot of buzz about it as well. Uh, but that was my thing with Kirby. There's not a whole lot of names of people you're looking at bringing with them. All the buzz seems to be around the Alabama strength and conditioning coach, uh, who's apparently right. a superstar. <clears throat> but that that's kind of the biggest name that they've got coming out. It's one of these things you're going to have to watch. And it looks like Georgia's cleaning house because Jeremy Pruitt and – Kirby Smart do not get along, and they've never got along all the way back to their Bama days. They're two different types of people, and Kirby does not like Jeremy Pruitt's mentality. So don't be shocked to see Jeremy Pruitt go. And with Kirby signing with Georgia, Pruitt may be in the front running for the South Carolina job. Yeah, and the thing about it is, and from what I've heard, you know, Pruitt rubs a lot of people the wrong way um, over the course Especially of the like Harbaugh. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, Exactly, he does. He's just an a-hole, you know. He's a productive a-hole, but he's an a-hole nonetheless. And uh, and I think some of that, you know, I wonder. And I heard you guys talk about it earlier on uh, on the front row. Is that is that his his camp floating out that he's going to go to South Carolina? And I mean, I know South Carolina really isn't the greatest of jobs. It wasn't that great of a job when Steve Spurrier took it over. He kind of elevated it a little bit. Um, but I think Pruitt wants that South Carolina job more than they want Pruitt. And given how prickly he is, and he hasn't had a whole lot. Uh, success as a head coach to say, okay, we'll deal with your prickliness like uh, Nick Saban. Like, we'll we'll deal with you because you have success in the bag as a head coach experience. That's going to be a real dicey proposition about South Carolina, and they may do that if they get desperate. But I don't think he's the number one name on the list. And everything you just talked about, I mean, it sounds like they're trying to build Tuscaloosa East in Athens. And I know exactly. I invitation. Been, I think they've <laughs> been working towards it a few years just pinching off coaches here and there. I mean, if you're going to emulate a program, that's a good program to emulate. The problem is you're never going to escape until you beat them consistently. You're always going to be Bama's little brother. Um, but I guess if, if you yeah. want to start, that's somewhere to start. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But, I mean, but but to the point that they're doing it now, it's so blatant, right? It's like, my goodness, you know. Oh, yeah. 
it's okay to follow some principles, but I mean, it's like you are just taking the playbook and going paragraph by paragraph on it. So, like I said, I know imitation is um, a serious form of flattery, but to me, it's like, oh, you know, come on, don't don't take it that far. I know Alabama's got a good program, but you know, have some kind of originality. It's just like, okay, get that Alabama. He had Alabama ties. He go to Alabama. Is he married to a chick from Alabama? Well, get that guy. You know, it's just like you know. Right, you know, do they get their haircut the same place? Oh, get that guy. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I have some reservations about that. One more thing before I think we, biggest, we leave. One more, one more thing ahead. about Kirby. Um, yeah. I think the yeah. biggest part of Kirby's game that really made him the the number one uh, priority here for Georgia. I don't think it was the fact that he went to Georgia. Uh, if you listen this morning, both Champ and Matt Stenchum talked about it, and they just kind of said that it's just a plus. I think the number one thing on Kirby is his recruiting ability. And mm-hmm. now that he's the lead dog coming into it, uh, and it, it's it's all expected to be signed and announced this weekend, uh, you've already seen yep. the number one inside or number one outside linebacker, um, Mac Wilson, I believe his name is. Uh, he's already opened up his recruitment. He was steady hard for Auburn. Uh, now he's opened that back up. Uh, there's another linebacker who's been committed to Bama since almost since I want to say the eighth grade who's opened it back up because Kirby was his main recruiter. Uh, so that is one of the things you'll get. He's a fantastic recruiter. He's the number one recruiter. Um, but Georgia's had top five recruiting classes for the last, seems like the last decade. So it's going to come down to how he can get that on the field. But there's, which kind of, it kind of worries me and bothers me a little bit that Mike Bobo wasn't in the consideration at all because Mike Bobo meets all of the same requirements that Kirby Smart has except that Bobo is an offensive mind, and right. that seems what Georgia needed the most. So I, I don't right. know why they gave Bobo the cold shoulder like that. Uh, now there's rumblings that he's in serious contention to be the next Missouri head coach. Um, so it, it should be a wild, wild offseason for coaches once this bowl week starts up. Yeah, absolutely. Because you got to get that set in for the recruiting and signing day coming up. Um uh, I want to pick your brain probably for the last piece. We could probably do a whole half an hour on on UJ uh, this week. <laughs> uh, I I heard that Nick Eason went to go visit Florida. Um, or is going to go visit Florida. Do you have any update on that? Uh, am I wrong about that? He's in Tallahassee now. Um, he went okay. singular. Uh, his last visit will be to Georgia with his family. Uh, I don't think okay. there's anything to fear for him going to Florida. I can't see why he would. Uh, he'd be behind Will Greer. And Greer was a freshman this year, so he's been behind Greer for three years. Um, yeah. One reason why you really shouldn't be worried about him leaving is uh, there's a few reports out, and uh, Rusty Manziel was talking about this, about how um, Eason has a very large ego. And it's not that hard to think about it once you see all the buzz he's created, uh, him going out and talking to every recruit, making sure it's very nationally known. I mean, he's got an air of Matt Stafford around him uh, where he's mm-hmm. got that bit of an ego which you almost need to have for quarterbacks. So I'm not saying this to cut him down. Right. There's there's a lot of coaches that aren't going to want to deal with that. And as, as soon, I think what he's really waiting for is to hear who the offensive coordinator will be to see if he can gel. And there's been a lot made about if Georgia goes to a spread, well, then Eason doesn't fit. And that's not entirely true. Eason runs a spread up in Washington where he plays in high school. Uh, there, he can play in a spread. He just can't be this veer option type quarterback like you see at Nick Marshall. But he can he can run the Art Briles spread. He can run these air raids. He can run all of that stuff. So I don't I don't think the scheme itself will have a huge impact. Though I will think Georgia will remain pro style. 
I think it's more he's going to wait to see who they get. Yeah, I, and I would agree with that. And, and, and that would behoove him. That would be a smart call because you don't want to go somewhere and say, I'm steady going here, and they hire an officer quarterback that doesn't fit your skill set, which you want to run as a quarterback. And you're going to give these guys the next three years, if you're lucky, to come out uh, for three to four years of your, of your, next, of your life. So, yeah, he should wait. Um, one last thing about him at the UGA. What do you think Mark Rick does now? Do you think he tries to stay with Georgia and some uh, capacity? Like we talked about before, that he would be a terrific AD because uh, he's, he's a hell of a guy. Or do you think he opened up to going somewhere else? Like I heard he was interviewing Miami, but I just don't see Coral Gables being a good fit for him personality-wise. Uh, I think I heard Ruth say it the other day, and it's a good fit. Sounds like to me to go to Charlottesville and take that Virginia job. It's a low stress. It's a very you know, college, college town kind of place. And if he could put Virginia back on the map, he'd be a, he'd be a savior. Yeah, I don't think he stays with Georgia. Uh, he's 55. He's got a lot of juice left. Um, he's been talking about how he wants to get back involved with calling plays and working with quarterbacks. So I don't see him sitting out. He may sit out a year. Uh, I don't know if he will or not. But it definitely won't be at Georgia. Miami is a dark horse. I could see him going to Miami just for the fact that he went there and he'd like to see him get put on the map, but that's about the only reason I could see him going there. If they don't have the facilities, they don't have the fans, right. that's not really exactly. the correct atmosphere. You'd have to completely change that culture. Uh, Virginia's mm-hmm. an interesting option. Uh, there's, there's a few places. Uh, really what I could seem to be very careful about seeing him go and be an offensive coordinator for somebody like Les Miles or somebody like – Saban if Lane Kiffin gets a job. And if if that happens, really watch out because that could impact this recruiting class by a lot. You would I would think that whatever team he goes to as an offensive coordinator would definitely be Easton's front runner. And I would also bear in mind that there's some dark horses. He could go to the NFL and be a quarterback's coach. He could do that today if he wanted to. There's just a lot shrouding Rick. It's gonna be whatever he wants to do, he'll have a job doing that somewhere. And every other team in Atlanta really needs to send Mark Rick a thank you card because this has buried everything else that's been going on, and there's been a lot going on this week. Um, we'll, we're going to touch on the Falcons, of course, a little bit, but we need to make sure we talk baseball because there are some big things in the works just in the Atlanta Braves that have been going on that have been completely overshadowed by the Mark Rick situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if we can get to it, because I mean, but I knew this was going to dominate it. And, um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Les Miles, but, of course, I just wanted to touch on it because I just assumed that he was going to be the one to get fired after the last game. But I think that the, the administration bungled it so badly by letting him twist in the wind. And then when you saw that game where, you know, he oh, had a standing he had ovation. standing ovation, carried off the field. Man, they came yeah. out horrible. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. And I think he has to, and then we talked about it before, is that he has to get out of that eye formation He's got to get, and I think Cameron has got to go as the offensive coordinator. He's got to get somebody in there that is going to go to more of a spread style and use some of those athletes. You have four net. You have good wide receivers. If you could get a quarterback and open that offense up and not let other teams load the box to stop four net, they could be dynamic, and that defense is awesome. Uh, but, you know, but if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance, is what they say. And LSU is another example of it. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything else to that. Uh, there's not much to it. We've got so much we need to get to. Um, really, the biggest thing, if they switch to a spread, that will basically be because they want to follow the bl- the blueprint to beat Bama. So it may take their team down a notch because I think I still think they're better off with those linemen as a pro style. But if you're less miles, you have to beat Saban. So you kind of have you have to kind of pull an old Miss and cater your team to beat Bama, and then just hope you don't slip up along the way. 
Absolutely. Uh, and that's how we're going to get LSU because, yeah. <laughs> so, coaching <laughs> carousel. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've got some interesting things happening. Uh, Scott Frost uh, went to UCF, went to, of course, uh, to Virginia Tech. Hilton promoted to, to head coach at USC. I think it was a good job. He's really got USC playing uh, better. Uh, Cubit being promoted to head uh, coach at Illinois. Uh, same difference, same thing. I think he's got them playing better. They just need some more talent. Um, you got Matt Campbell going from Toledo to, to Iowa State. Uh, like we talked about before, we still got some good openings going out there at uh, South Carolina and, and Miami. Uh, and I'm really shocked that USC moved that fast, but I think it was the correct thing to do for the current state of the program, and they don't think Dave Helton, I think, two years. So they're not tied to him uh, long term. And I've also heard um, Rutgers thinking about maybe taking a run in Mark Rick, but I don't think Mark Rick wants to go live outside of New York. I don't think York. he goes to Rutgers. Um, Maryland's a big dark horse for Mark Rick. He'd be following a coach that's a lot that's a lot like Rick. So the, the culture's kind of already set up there. Uh, so I'd watch Maryland if he's looking for a culture fit. Um, there's a mm-hmm. there's a few things going around. I think I think Pat Hayden just wanted to coach quick, and he got tired of the uh, the USC debacles the last few years of the coaches. So he he just mm-hmm. picked with somebody, and he didn't find himself long term. And I I don't I can't find anything right. wrong with the hire. I mean, good coach. Neither. What I hadn't heard yep. mine was that Kid Kelly had turned them down. Uh, whether that be because he doesn't want to leave the Eagles or because he wants to make the Eagles fire him first as he collects that entire paycheck, who knows? There but if, if Chip leaves at the end of the year, if he gets fired, you'll see a lot more scrambling around in college football ranks. Yeah, and um, so outside of Rick uh, to Virginia and um, Pruitt to South Carolina, have you heard any other candidates for those two jobs? That haven't. Those are the only two names I've really heard. I'd, ha- I'd heard one more for South Carolina, but I, I can't remember his name. He's actually the front runner, which not real good. I can't remember his name. Um, I know well, another – coordinator candidate for Georgia, the Memphis offensive coordinator, is also in the running. I don't know how high in the running he is, but um, Herman looks like he's going to stay, Pat, at Houston. Now that they're set to offer him $3 million, uh, I think he's going to sit on that for another year or two, wait to see what happens at some of these bigger schools. Um, honestly, it's kind of it's kind of shaking out now, and it's about to be, I think, unless there's one big-name firing or somebody leaves at the end after a bowl or a big – NFL coach gets fired or leaves, we may be seeing the head jobs kind of shake out. It's just it's going to be really interesting to see who gets that Miami job, and yeah. I, th- I think a lot is going to contingent on that. I think that's going to kind of be the next big domino to fall. I'm sure there's a bunch of smaller time coaches that are looking to make a big name by going to the U. Yeah, and and one thing to reach out for, and they should do it. And I know I'm in the minority as Ed Reed, because he wants to be the head coach. Could you imagine if Ed Reed was coming to recruit you uh, for, to go to the University of Miami? He would have those kids in South Florida ready to go to Miami. Now, he would have to get a strong offensive defensive coordinator. But if you let him be like a, a Bobby Bowden, just kind of like a, a head figure where he represents the university and he does the recruiting, he could put Miami back on the map instantly. But he would have to get a good staff. But that's just a dark horse for me. And I think for Herman, I think he's waiting on Kevin Sumlin. I really do, or, or Charlie Strong. I think he wants to stay in Texas because um, he's already started to recruit there. And I don't know how long Texas is going to give Charlie Strong. And to your point, I think an NFL, like the Rams, because I think they're going to get rid of Fisher, may start to come for Kevin Sumlin a little harder this year. And I think he's maybe starting to see the That's writing on the wall name. in now. Yeah. That's a good so name, especially I, with the Rams being set to move to L.A. Yeah. 
So that that's the one. I think he wants to stay in Texas. Um, I'm just going to jump on this briefly. I just want to say thank you, Urban Meyer and Tim Beck <laughs> and the other guys that moved into the into the booth to see what was happening. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, 30 carries, 214 yards, two touchdowns. J.T. Barrett, not out of the quarterback draw, but in the zone read, which I've been calling for for weeks, 19 carries, 139 yards, three touchdowns. So I don't care about the 113 yards passing touchdowns. So if you can run on a team like that, then you run on them and you make them stop them. And, you know, it gives me all the pleasure in the world when they do that against that team up north. So that's 365 days. I don't have to sit here and be pissed off uh, for losing to them. <laughs> and it leads me into the into the next piece of what they revealed last night uh, on the college football uh, top four. And we'll talk about the top seven because I think it's interesting. Um, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Iowa, MSU, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Stanford. And I think we can agree that Oklahoma and the winner of the Big Ten game are two of the four locks. Um, the only That's real definitely. drama is, yeah, is if Clemson happens to flip up against North Carolina, which I could see happening because North Carolina's been playing fantastic, uh, or if Alabama loses to Florida, which I don't see happening because Florida That's just not happening. I don't, yeah, I don't even know. I, I think Florida should get, like I said, should get a point if they move past the 50-yard line because I don't even think that's going to happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because Sean Harris can't throw, and those right. Alabama guys, there's some big old boys if you're if you're talking about moving them around. And with two freshmen on that line, no, nah, Florida's not. Florida's, I, I don't think Florida will hang within 20. Uh, yeah. I think so, uh, looking at the show wait. sheet, how you uh, <laughs> you named Michigan as the team that the team unnamed. No, the, the team, team up north. in <laughs> the team, team up, up north. north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's no, we don't call it by the name. Uh, I think the biggest game is going to be that Iowa Michigan State game. Uh, I expect Michigan State to win it fairly handily. I don't think Iowa's a good team. I think they've benefited from having a garbage schedule. Uh, Clemson North Carolina could get tricky. Uh, I think Clemson already had their scare with South Carolina. I don't think it happens. I think I think they come together and they do. They have a good game. And they win by ten. Alabama's going to throttle Florida, and I, I think that's how it's going to shake out. Oklahoma, I think they're in as long as they don't have a gaff. I think Oklahoma's definitely, and I think I think Oklahoma has a good chance of making some Oklahoma's waves done. in this play. This yeah, should oh, yeah, be Oklahoma a very yeah yeah. I think yeah. this should be a uh, that that no conference championship game throws me every time. This this, uh, <laughs> this this should be a fairly well balanced tournament field. Uh, any of these yeah. teams I could see beating the other, except for I think Michigan State's definitely going to be the weakest out of the group. But I think any of the top three definitely would have a realistic shot at beating each other. Yeah, and I, and the reason why we gave Michigan State a puncher's chance is because they have a, a experienced quarterback in Connor Cook. So I wanted to throw something at you because I think that Clemson North Carolina game may be closer than you think because I. It, it looks like Clemson looking in the mirror almost when they play North Carolina because North Carolina has a very good offense and they're explosive in that spread. Um, I think uh, defense, it, that's almost going to be like an arena football game, like last person with the ball wins. It's going to be a lot of points scored <laughs> in that game if, <laughs> unless there's really terrible uh, weather in, in Charlotte. But I wanted to get your opinion on something before we uh, we segue into a little NFL. Um, if, perchance, Clemson loses to North Carolina and Stanford beats because I think that's another we got to watch, Stanford and USC. Stanford beats USC. Do you think Clemson should stay in that top four and drop them one to four, or would you vault Stanford over Ohio State into the top four, or would you bring North Carolina all the way up from, I think they're 10th this week, 
into the top four by their by the beating Clemson in that game. Because I mean, there's a double, couple scenarios that could happen if that happens. Clemson losing. I, I think that's move, the only viable one. I would move North Carolina into that fourth spot. Uh, if they beat Clemson, then their resume is not bad at all. Um, outside of that one slip up early in the year, you can say North Carolina is playing as good as almost any team in the country. I don't see them beating Clemson. I think they're a little bit like a Clemson light. I don't trust Marquise Wilson to have a good game. Or Marquise Williams, um, I forget his last name. I want to say it's Williams. Uh, I think, I, think I, Williams. I just don't I don't trust him to have a good game against that defense at Clemson. Uh, if they do win, then I definitely think North Carolina should take the number four spot. And I think the winner of Michigan State and Iowa takes the three spot and everybody else just moves up one. Um, it's the only way I can see yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Yeah, I only thing about it is that those two FCF games that North Carolina has on schedule. I know some teams back there, I don't know. But at the same time, if you they would have had probably one of the best wins beating Clemson. But those two FCF schools, those wins on there, I, I think it's gonna discredit them. I almost I would say, honestly, if we're gonna go with what they did last year to put Ohio State in, that even the two lost Stanford team, just because of the schedule they play out of conference and in conference, uh, would jump into that fourth spot. I think it would be Stanford. So if you're an Ohio State fan, you have to root for Stanford to lose and for uh, North Carolina to beat Clemson. And I'm still not sure that's going to do it because they may just drop Clemson from one to four and keep them in there or bought North Carolina already up because they're, going to, they're trying to put a premium on the conference championship. So it's still going to give us a little, a little intrigue. Uh, and I'm with you. i the Florida, I, I think Alabama just has to put their jerseys and their cleats on, and that's just going to be an absolute problem in Florida. Yeah, that's, that's going to be ugly. Yeah. So the, the UF fans will be downtown Atlanta drinking heavily and early <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Saturday. So um, the Falcons, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's like a broken record, right? We're talking about the same thing every week. The The penalties, the turnovers – um, and, I mean, there's no harm in getting run over by Andrew Peterson because he's run over a lot of, a lot of people. But whew, it's just been Matt Ryan's decision-making. Some of the balls he's throwing, I don't I don't know what else to say about it, uh, Dylan. I just don't know what else to say about it. I think now every time we talk about this, that it feels like they're going to have to go get a quarterback earlier to draft, to groom from Matt Ryan. And it sounds like, oh, we can get somebody in the sixth or seventh round because we don't need to really waste something on them. But every week that goes by, I feel like the urgency to go get somebody, whether or not they're going to say it publicly, to go get somebody to groom to take over from Matt Ryan a year or two down the line, it, it, I think that, that drumbeat gets louder. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you can say. And it's not it's not just the turnovers, it's the red zone turnovers. And that, that's mm-hmm. the one place you cannot have that turnovers. That That's seven red zone turnovers for Matt Ryan this year. <clears throat> To uh, to put this in perspective, uh, Matt Ryan was the I want to say he was the tenth best quarterback statistically last year. Uh, do you realize this year that he is behind Jay Cutler? Yeah, Jay well, Cutler, I can believe it. He's thrown more interceptions than Jay Cutler. He has doubled Jay Cutler's interceptions. They both lost and three fumbles. What, and Cutler yeah. Cutler's the whipping boy. Ryan's yeah. completion percentage is about 66%. Cutler's is about 64 so they're not far off on that particular category. Now, Matt Ryan's thrown for a few more yards, a little bit more yards per game. But that number gets skewed because the Falcons are throwing the ball so often because they're playing from behind. 
I mean, mm-hmm. in what world would you have pointed to a few years ago and said Jay Cutler is going to be playing better than Matt Ryan? Yeah, and, and it's also more gas on that fire. This is Jay Cutler, who's lost Brandon Marshall to the Jets, who's not had Alshon Jeffrey for at least four games this year due to various injuries. Uh, Martellus Bennett didn't Forte's play the last game. <laughs> yeah, because of ribs. Forte's missed time. A Royals missed time. They don't even have their first-round pick in Kevin White. He has not played a snap yet this year, and he still has better stats than – Yeah, but he still has better stats than, than Matt Ryan with, with Julio out there, who's been every game. So, I – I don't know what else to, to, to really to say about it. Um, until they get, until they get that fixed, and especially like you like you hit on the red zone turnovers, until they get that fixed, I don't think there is much else to pee. It's like being a dead horse, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't honestly, definitively say they're going to beat Tampa this week. I mean, James no, Winston, in been. the last in the last five weeks, James has been a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. That's all you can say. Yeah, I mean, only thing you can hope just to get to the point where any time you get into the red zone, you you just automatically assume the Falcons are going to turn the ball over, whether it be a fumble on a fifty yard run to Evan Coleman, or mm-hmm. just a pick to an over the hill five years ago, Terrence Newman. Right, Terrence Newman that can barely run. I mean, he he takes a step and you hear his knees knock together and creep. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and hopefully Devontae right back and some of that. Yeah, and we got to get away from so much of that red zone passing. Um, you know, it's okay to run on first and second down. It's allowed. Um, I don't know if they know that it's allowed, but it's allowed. You can actually <laughs> run on all three downs if you feel like, or you can throw the guy's screen. You know, he did nothing but come in and set the league on fire, um, Devontae Freeman, that is, to start the year. So why not keep him involved? They think, they, again, they get too cute. Give it to Devontae. Or play action to him, a hard play action, not that one where it doesn't even freeze the linebackers. They're like, yeah, you know, Matt Ryan's throwing on second and eight. They know it because of their tendencies. They won't run it on second and eight. So, I, I, okay, they're getting me riled up. I, um, I, I don't want to talk about the pockets anymore until they <laughs> do something to, 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 to change the, the subject and the narrative. I want to go to baseball um, because I think, Thank you know, you. We, can come back, we can come back to uh, the playoff pitcher and real fast. I love that Kobe has finally decided to give it up. I really wish that he would just stop now uh, because it's Me only too. hurting his own legacy. But, you ben, know, you're gonna make Kobe is in this year, which is a joke. But that's a long yeah, you know he he Congratulations, Kobe, blah, blah, blah. Regular season basketball. All right, now on baseball. Yes. And we talked uh, about this. Um, Hayward, uh, worth 300 million? I don't think so. That's just me. But David Price, seven years, two hundred and seventeen million dollars. My goodness, I, <laughs> I I just can't see giving a pitcher that he blows a ligament and he's gone for a year and a half. So you're only getting five years of, out of that for for thirty one million dollars a year. That's crazy to me. Um, Grinky trying to I'm decide shocked. between San Fran and LA. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by it. Uh, honestly, I thought it would be a little bit more. Not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that's the way the game's played now. Uh, especially with Boston being involved on it, I thought for sure they would hit 250. But uh, there's so much going on, and not even in just the realm of big names. I mean, just some of this brave stuff that I can talk with you about will blow your Go mind. Uh, I saw the, I saw instance, the AJ Pollock piece. Yeah. That's not the only one. Uh, for all our listeners out there, the Braves have been shopping Shelby Miller hard, and they have been targeting 
Their number one target this offseason has been A.J. Pollock, the center fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks coming off a breakout year. Uh, Diamondbacks aren't, didn't want to give him up in a straight-up deal. The Braves came back and offered Shelby and Aroidis Vizcaino for, uh, for Pollock and another pitcher. That got turned down. Um, the Cubbies are apparently in on Shelby Miller pretty hard. Uh, the thought process there being uh, Jorge Soler, which I would love. Um, also, with the Red Sox, that deal's probably not going to happen. The Braves have been trying to get Jackie Bradley Jr. from them. I'm not as high on Bradley because he can't hit. Uh, so right. I wouldn't be as high. But it'd be a leadoff hitter if he ever grows into it. Uh, yeah, but it's like having Billy Hamilton. They've been shopping Tehran around. Um there's been all sorts. I mean, uh, Shelby's been talked about with the Yankees for Luis Severino and a few other prospects. Um, mm, Freddie Freeman's been shopped this off season. I mean, anybody you can think of. The Braves have been shopping everywhere, and it, it really looks like Shelby will be gone before the season starts. Yeah, and the only thing that shocks me about that list of players is Freddie Freeman. I think there will be a full-blown riot if they trade Freddie Freeman. I think you have to keep Freddie Freeman unless you get somebody back that is recognizable to Atlanta baseball fans and they say, okay, you have to make that deal. I don't know if you can trade Freddie Freeman. You have to have somebody for the fans to hang their hat on, especially going to this new stadium if you want to fill it up and keep it filled for the next couple of years. I think you've got to build around Freddie Freeman. The kind of way the Cubs sucked, but they, they weren't going to trade Rizzo and they were going to try to build in the robbers. I think you're going to have to keep Freddie, even though Freddie's a little older. But at some point you have to keep a, a, a fan favorite who's still viable. It's not like he's over the hill. He's still viable. He got hurt. He'll be back. Um, but everybody else, when you're what? When you win 80 games, I mean, it, it, I think everybody's up for up for debate. So I'm not too much worried about that. And I, and I think Shelby may be in and Tavon may be their, their biggest chips. Um, I, I see that Grinky is, is probably going to get about what Price got uh, from either San Francisco or L.A., and once Price gets that, I mean, if I'm Grinky, I don't even know if I want to get less than what Price got. I feel like I'm a better pitcher, and my track record's been better. Um, so I don't know if he can, you know, drive that up. And I know San Francisco and L.A. did not want to see that happen while Grinky was still out on the market. I mean, you talked about it because I think his numbers are better. Um, and the Orioles got Trumbo, which means the Crash Davis probably is done in Baltimore. But you put Trumbo with um, Machado and so uh, – yeah. Not so right. fast. Trumbo can play first, outfield, or DH, as can Chris Davis. So that doesn't necessarily mean Chris Davis is going to be gone. Um, yeah, but, although Chris but Boston, to the Astros, this seems like a perfect fit. It, yeah, but it, it seems like Baltimore is also regulating themselves to a mid-market kind of budget because they're going to have to pay Machado here soon. And um, why am I missing my guy's name? Uh, to the fielder. Um, he just got Adam Jones. Adam Jones. I don't know why I packed that. Uh, yeah, so I, I think you only I, – I like that lot of with Trumbo in it, but I don't know, unless Chris Davis says, I really want to be here, uh, I think somebody's going to pay him a little bit more. I think Baltimore is, is, is willing to do it. So, but that story I sent you about Jason Hayward, my word. Um, who's going to give him $300 million? Uh, quick teams, I think, could do it. Yankees, Red yeah. Sox, Dodgers. Angels are in on it, apparently. Um, don't be surprised if the Rangers get in on them. They've got a bunch of money they can play with. Um, a lot of these teams like that have, have money they can throw around. Um, if I had to pick one, I think the Dodgers and the Rangers would probably be the front runners. Um, Boston, maybe. 
But I, re- I really think it would be the Rangers and the Dodgers would be the number one. The Dodgers are trying to move Carl Crawford. Nobody's going to trade for Carl Crawford with that gigantic. <laughs> right. They're going to have to cut him. Um, they may be able to deal Ether, and I doubt that. But they may be able to trade Ether. Oh, I forgot Shelby Miller's in on the uh, Dodgers were in on Shelby Miller as well. Uh, but the Braves are saying from that they want Jock Peterson, and the Dodgers are saying they don't want to give up any major league talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not going to Peterson. I mean, yeah, you can ask for it, but they're going to laugh and hang up the phone. Um, but the Angels are paying uh, a good piece of – oh, goodness, I'm just having a brain freeze today. Uh, Pujols? Trading them back to the Rangers. Uh, not Pujols. Um, oh, Hamilton. Hamilton. They're, paying, they're paying a good piece of his contract, so that's what I'm saying. I think I can see Texas doing it because they're not paying for most of Josh Hamilton. But every hawk we've seen the Angels do it because I think they're paying like sixty percent still of Hamilton's contract. They did that just to get him out of out of L.A., which speaks volumes about Josh Hamilton. But oh man, I just have a hard time, you know. And one guy, three hundred million dollars. I thought the same thing about Stanton, and Stanton is a stud, and he's younger than all of them. But three hundred million dollars is mercy. That's a lot of money. A lot uh, of scratch. It's, I, I mean, yeah. So you see why everybody has to have a new stadium and and do the PSALs and. And all that other good stuff because they have, it's having to keep up with the Joneses and, and pay these ridiculous contracts. And I'm not one to hate on anybody, you know, get your money if they're going to pay you for it. But I think the GMs have to get together at some point and say, we are tripping. <laughs> what are we doing? Seriously, the owners need to get together and say, hey, we're not going to go above this amount. Yeah, but then they can't tell anybody because it'll be collusion. So <laughs> then you have the players, the, the union, will say, hey, hey, hold on, hold on, you can't do that. Uh, it's a free market. So. I, I, I agree with you, but again, man, this goes by so fast, um, and I love it when we have local stuff that we both can touch on with uh, Georgia and Ohio State and the Falcons and here at the Braves, and my Reds have been pretty solid. I know they're trying to trade uh, Chapman and Bruce. Good luck getting rid of Bruce let you pay his contract. Chapman may bring him a distant <laughs> haul, and uh, Phil has no trade. Haul for him. You don't get a haul you, for you Chapman. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but Reds fans should beat in that door. I told you what I think about Walt Jockey. I think he's a St. Louis plant. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, as always, um, I want to make sure in case we get cut off here. Um, always love talking sports with you, bro. This goes by way too fast. We've got to do one in person here soon to get our schedules together uh, so we can upload it. Uh, we can do it down there and then upload it through Blog Talk. Um, but, again, have a great week. Uh, hopefully everything that went down for you today works out in your favor. Everybody listening to us, have a good weekend. Enjoy all the great football and the conference championship games, and I will speak with you next week. Go ahead and sign off, bro. All right. Everybody, make sure you have a good week. Tune in for us next week. You know we are the best on blog talk, at the very least. Probably some of the best in the country. But uh, always bringing you everything. Jaquan, it's always a pleasure to work with you, buddy. And pretty soon, it's going to be uh, winter meetings kicking off. going to have a lot more baseball to talk. I'm excited. Absolutely, because I really talk winter meetings to talk about November NBA basketball. I'm just sorry. It's, it doesn't get good until, until the spring. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> until March. It just is really Exactly. Between March Madness and then, you know, the push for the NBA playoffs. So, appreciate you good people. We're getting ready to sign off. You'll be able to download this podcast here in the next couple of minutes. Blog Talk's pretty good about putting it out there. I will be texting you, bro, because I'm sure some things are going to pop off here. Uh, and we're probably going to have some more head coaching, college ball news. Oh, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to get some more people. Absolutely. I'm sure. All right, Jaquan, always good talking to you, buddy.
talk to you again next week. We'll probably start texting as soon as this is over. Good night, everybody. Absolutely. Good night, everybody. Talk to you later, bro. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.